This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com slash critical to find out more. Politics. It never fails to deliver some complex news. The latest? Revelations that former Prime Minister Scott Morrison appointed himself as a minister to five portfolios. What the seems to be the consensus. So in this episode of Squiz Shortcuts, we'll answer all the big questions on how and why this happened. To do that, you need to understand how we're governed in Australia and who's calling the shots when it comes to the Prime Minister, Cabinet, Ministers and the Parliament. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. The word unprecedented, Claire, gets thrown around a bit in politics. A lot of the time, it's probably a bit overused, perhaps, but it looks like Scott Morrison's action as PM back in 2020 and 2021 are unprecedented. Secretly swearing himself in as a minister in a number of portfolios, it seems that no one's done that at any other time. That's right. And we'll get into the details of it a bit later, but just to give some context as to why we're having this conversation at all, Mm. uh, Morrison says that COVID was a full-blown life or death crisis and the public's expectation was that he was personally responsible for everything that was happening. So he says that swearing himself into a number of key ministries was just making sure that all the bases were covered. As you say, we'll get right stuck into this in segment three of this podcast. But before we do, let's back it right up because the whole incident has raised a lot of questions about exactly how a government is supposed to run, particularly our government here in Australia. I guess a good place to start, Claire, is with the Constitution. Constitution's always a good place to start and it allows for three things. The first is the parliament, the second is the executive, which is what we really think of as the government, uh, the party that wins the election and forms the government anyway, Uh, and the third is the judiciary, which is the high court at the top of that. And the constitution gives us a bit of information about how those three arms are meant to work. So basically who's meant to be the boss of what? It's always a good thing to know. And this idea is they keep a check on the power of others. Yeah, exactly. A practical example of how that works together. In 1998, then Prime Minister John Howard campaigned uh, at an election on introducing a goods and services tax. He won that election, so the government started drafting laws uh, to bring a GST in. Uh, So that's one of the government's main functions is to propose laws, but only the parliament can pass the laws. Mm. So in that case, John Howard's government had to negotiate and and eventually amend those laws to get them passed by the parliament. And then the court's role in that example was to hear challenges about how the tax was applied. So it's usually the government that proposes policies and laws, only the parliament can then make the laws and then the court enforces them. Yeah, that's exactly it. But here's the thing. The Constitution spells out some of the details, but there's a lot that happens in governing that relies on customs and conventions. Not everything is written down in black and white. 
There's a lot of grey in politics. So, for instance, the Constitution doesn't actually mention the Prime Minister or Cabinet. It just kind of assumes that we'll follow the traditions from England. Yeah, and the UK system of government that we have is known as the Westminster system. And the thing about that is that the people running the show have to be elected members of Parliament. You can't be an outsider. And another biggie is the government is responsible to Parliament. Yeah, and that's very different to a presidential system where, for example, Joe Biden doesn't have to show up to the Congress to answer questions from those pesky congressmen and women. (laughs) And just to keep on that comparison for a second, under that system of government, there's a lot more direct power in the president as head of state. The president can veto bills enacted by Congress and Australia's prime minister sure can't do that. Yeah, it's hard to imagine our Prime Minister being able to pardon those in jail or clearing the record of convicted criminals. Let's move on now to take a look at how Australian ministers get their job and what powers they actually wield. So to become a minister in Australia, if anyone's wondering how wanting the job, you must first get elected to Parliament. But let's step through what else it takes to be given what is a very important job. Once you're in Parliament, Claire, you usually need to be part of the party that's one government. Yeah, and we say usually because it's possible for a government to appoint ministers from other parties or independents. Mm. Let's not go down that rabbit hole today. Doesn't happen much. (laughs) The thing to know is that once the Prime Minister is sworn in, it's up to them to appoint the Cabinet and the Ministry, sort of. Sort of? I I know why you're saying sort of. I know where you're going. The Coalition and Labor do it a bit differently. Yeah, they do. Nothing's absolute, as we said before in government. (laughs) Uh, In a Liberal National Coalition government, appointing ministers is up to the Prime Minister. So Scott Morrison, Malcolm Turnbull, Tony Abbott, let's not list them all. Uh, They got a captain's pick when it came to the Liberals. And of course, the leader of the Nationals becomes the Deputy Prime Minister. And they pick a handful of their own MPs to join the ministry as well. And then when you look on the Labor side, Side. Its parliamentary party is called the Caucus. It has a factional system. It's based on whether MPs identify themselves as left or right in the party. And those factions across different states get a certain number of spots in the ministry. There's quite a formula to it for both of those sides of politics. And Labor PMs don't get quite as much say over who gets to sit around the big table. It's the factional leaders in the Labor Party who basically tell the PM, person X will be our rep in your ministry. Anthony Albanese, who's the current Prime Minister and, of course, a Labor Prime Minister, then gets to decide which portfolio person X gets. And then it's off to Government House for a swearing-in ceremony. Yeah, that's right. And it's actually the GG who formally appoints ministers to particular portfolios. The GG, Claire? Yep, the Governor-General. The Governor-General. the shorthand. (laughs) (laughs) And look, that swearing in is a requirement under Section 64 of the Constitution. It's ordinarily done publicly when a new ministry is being sworn in. Uh, You'd remember those pictures on the TV where Mm. the newbies are all dressed up arriving at Government House, um, usually with their families in tow for a formal swearing-in ceremony. You can kind of see where we're going with this in the context of Scott Morrison. So hang in there. We are getting there. Claire, those ministerial arrangements are usually published in something called the Commonwealth Gazette. 
I'd never heard of the Commonwealth Gazette. <laughs> I certainly have because I had to read it in a former job for various things, but it's been <laughs> happening since Federation and it's the official place for notifying the decisions and the actions of a government. Um, never fear if you haven't heard of it. Uh, Anne Toomey is one of Australia's foremost constitutional experts and she says that you have to be, and this is the quote, a real weirdo uh, to have your head stuck in it every day. That makes me feel a little bit better. Thanks, Anne. (laughs) Meanwhile, from the day ministers are sworn in, they get a whole range of powers. Yeah, and it depends on the portfolio, but let's take the Immigration Minister and the Migration Act as an example. So when world number one tennis player Novak Djokovic tried to come to play tennis at the Australian Open without getting a COVID vaccine, it was the minister who cancelled his visa. Mm. The Act says that the minister can do that if they think it's in the public interest. And it's important to note at this point that in the Westminster system of government, that's our system of government, it's the minister who's responsible for a lot of things in our laws as distinct from the prime minister. So the prime minister can't just swoop in and say, cancel Novak Djokovic's visa. The legislative powers are specific to that minister. Yeah, exactly. So another example, it's the Treasurer who has the power to veto foreign investments uh, and the Environment Minister who decides whether a coal mine or a gas project breaches environmental law. We are getting closer and closer to the crux of this podcast. (laughs) We are getting there. Ministers also have responsibilities in administering the departments and their agencies. Yeah, and when you become a minister, there's a whole system that you're plugged into Mm. uh, and a lot of duties to discharge and rules to follow and a lot of conventions that ministers uh, before you have followed as well. And even if they aren't in the rule book as such, you've got to keep an eye on them. And it's that kind of grey area that we keep referring to that's been such a big deal for Scott Morrison. Here we go. Let's get into that next. Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser, BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear. And by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. We now know Scott Morrison-Claire asked the Governor-General, the GG, to sign off on jointly appointing him to oversee five departments, Health, Finance, Home Affairs, Treasury and Resources. It started in May 2020 when COVID was a new virus and officials started preparing for the worst. And the pandemic gave the health minister some extraordinary powers. In those days, it was Greg Hunt who was the health minister, and he could pretty much close the borders and shut down the whole country under the Biosecurity Act. Mm. And at that time, Hunt agreed that Prime Minister Morrison should be a backup to that role. 
So Greg Hunt knew that the Prime Minister was swearing himself in also as the Health Minister. He did the same, Scott Morrison, with finance. But that time, Scott Morrison didn't tell the Finance Minister, Matthias Cormann. And then we get to one that had nothing to do with the pandemic. Yeah, nearly a year after COVID came to our shores, Morrison swore himself into the industry, science and resources portfolio. That was in April 2021. And we know that he used that power as the minister to overrule Keith Pitt, who was actually the minister uh, from the National Party. uh, And that was over a plan to drill for gas off the New South Wales coast. Mm. Now, Morrison says that he was worried about the environment, uh, but political pundits say that he was worried that it would be bad for several Liberals along that coastline. Yeah, and he did that again without telling the people in those ministries. So that's three down. What about the other two? So those were on the same day. That was on the 6th of May 2021 that Morrison was appointed. Uh, He did that himself to the portfolios of Treasury and Home Affairs without telling those ministers. And what's been commented on a lot is that they were very senior ministers in the government, but he didn't tell them. Uh, That included Josh Frydenberg, who he had lived with in Canberra for weeks during the pandemic. Yeah, they're famously quite good mates. It's the secrecy around what Morrison did. Most of his own cabinet didn't even know that's left a lot of people in Canberra with their jaws on the floor, not just in Canberra, around the country. We talked a bit how when ministers are sworn in, there's usually some pomp and ceremony at Government House, or at the very least, a kind of formal memo is published in the Commonwealth Gazette, that gazette that we referred to that you know so well, Claire, (laughs) or the ministerial changes are often tabled in Parliament. None of that happened. No, not this time. But the GG, David Hurley, uh, has copped some flack for signing off on those arrangements and not making them public. But his office has been really firm about it and has rejected that criticism. Uh, They said when they issued a pretty blunt statement, which is very unusual for them, and this is the quote, it is not the responsibility of the Governor-General to advise the broader ministry or parliament or public of administrative changes of this nature. So from there, obviously a lot of heat on former Prime Minister Scott Morrison, a lot of public interest. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese asked the Solicitor General, so that's the Commonwealth's most senior lawyer, to look into it all. Yeah, and Stephen Donoghue QC is his name. He gave a pretty scathing review of the whole affair. Uh, He said while what Morrison did didn't break the law, it goes against the principles of responsible government inherent in the Constitution. Uh, He says the fact that Morrison didn't notify Parliament, other ministers or the public about these ministerial arrangements is bad form and it's also bad for good government. Yeah, Anthony Albanese says he's going to make changes to ensure this never happens again. He's asked his department to work with the Governor-General's office to immediately create a practice of publishing ministerial arrangements in the Gazette. Yeah, and he's flagged that that could require legislation down the track uh, and mostly to ensure that it's the law and not just a convention that those things are made public. So there's that change coming down the pipeline and Claire, a saga in the government is never complete without an inquiry. (laughs) That's right. And Albanese has flagged that there will be an inquiry and that will be led by an eminent legal eagle. Uh, He says that it shouldn't be a politician and it's important to hold so that the government can deliver absolute confidence in our system of government. Um, He's also said that Scott Morrison does need to be held accountable for his actions. So there is a bit of an edge of politics. Politics there too. And on Scott Morrison, he's had a bit to say, Claire. 
Yeah, he has responded to that. He said that uh, he would participate in any genuine process to learn the lessons from the pandemic. He's still very much saying that what he did was in response to the pandemic. Um, So he's willing to participate in that. Um, That, of course, does open up the question about what he did with those ministries when it didn't apply to the pandemic. And that, of course, was in that resources ministry. And that's your shortcut to Morrison's multiple ministries. On to our recommendations. Each week we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. You've got the fun one, Claire. You've given me the boring one here. I'm going to give a (laughs) shout out to the book that kicked this all off. Political journalists Simon Benson and Jeff Chambers have published Plagued. It's being marketed as the inside story on the government's handling of the COVID pandemic. And this is where the initial revelation came from Scott Morrison himself that he'd in fact sworn himself in as health minister and everything else came out from there. Look, I don't think that's that boring. I think that's quite fun. No, yours is just a a little bit better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've got a collection of the best memes that have been doing the rounds uh, about Morrison swearing himself into all of those roles. It's something that he also had some fun with too. It's a never-ending humour, that one. Thanks for listening to Squeeze Shortcuts. If you like what you've heard, as always, please tell people about the podcast. We love pulling them together each and every week. And, um, of course, send us a request to hello at thesqueeze.com.au. We had quite a few for this one, so we hope you've enjoyed it. Until next week. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista. Tell your hairdresser. Whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.